Hello and welcome to the JNM podcast. My name is Jeanette. Um, for this week, I decided to have a guest uh, today to talk about another Sandra Bullock movie. And my guest is none other than Hazar Eskandar. Say hi. <laughs> hi, everyone. How are you guys? Uh, anything different since we've last talked about while you were sleeping? Well, you know, uh, these are COVID times for whoever is listening at the moment. Um, things have been well, but I just urge everyone to stay safe and wear masks and stay indoors if you don't want to wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. To continue on with our Sandra Bullock movie Got marathon. <laughs> yeah. My favorite. Uh, in order to continue worshiping her, let's just say it, like, you know, honor to continue. It's like, you know, Sandra B is maybe like one year younger than my mom. So I feel like in an alternate universe, she was like the really cool mom that I like could have experienced in an alternate universe. I mean, I love my mother to death. Like she's the best thing ever. But I was talking to her this morning and I said, mom, if I ever, you know, acted in a film, who would I want to play my mom? She was like, you should, you should should the Sandra B she's like everyone in my household is called her Sandy B like they know her which is <laughs> hilarious yeah I mean for me uh I just like enjoy her movies like I don't know I just haven't experienced like a bad Sandra Bullock movie you know because like even if it's like a bad movie it's yeah. still good um she does her best in her roles and I think it's like even if we you know evaluate the script or the storyline I really feel like she plays her character as well and that's why she's very likable yeah so uh today we're going to be talking about the 2000 comedy drama film 28 days uh I received information from wikipedia and imdb uh, so for the cast, of course, you have Sandra Bullock as the main character. She plays Gwen Cummings, um, and she is a newspaper columnist with a drug and alcohol uh, problem, which it kind of was a bit, um, like it was mentioned, but it, I don't know, it never brought up like her job, like officially. Yeah, I think she mentions that she was a writer and uh, she said, that's why I drink. That's why I need my Vicodin. But I, I don't think she ever mentioned exactly what she writes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe like she did like, maybe like New York Times. The way that like her computer, like in the beginning looked like, it looked like a like a New York Times article or something. But who am I to <laughs> say uh, so next we have Vigo Mortensen as Eddie Boone. Uh, you may know, know him for uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy uh, as a guy with a sword. I forgot the guy's name, but <laughs> but he's one of the, the good guys of the trilogy. He also did Eastern Promises and the controversial film Green Book. <laughs> And he was cute in this movie. Yes, he was really good. He's pretty good looking for a guy that can like uh, be good looking 
both as like a brown hair person and a blonde is pretty good. Good job. A brown haired person? Do you mean a brunette? Yeah, like, you know, bl- like dark hair. Right. Yeah. Yes, I couldn't, I couldn't tell what his hair color it was in the movie. I was it's- just staring at his arms and I was like, how old is he in this movie? And is it weird to have a crush on him? No, I mean, I think he was like in his 30s, like probably in his early 30s. Um, but anyway, uh, then you have Dominic, Dominic West as Jasper. Uh, and you, you may know him for The Wire, uh, the TV show, and a recent show called The Affair. Um, he's like known for doing more TV shows than film. I think like this was probably like his moment, like his his like um, era where he's like, yeah, I'm going to be a film star, and then realizing that no, I should just stick to TV. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, television has a lot of great actors, and they have even more so. Like, I mean, right now, TV is really it, and that's why I feel like maybe back in the day, being a movie star was like. Um, um, a much higher step than being a TV star. But now, I mean, I work in television and I know that it's like budgets are getting bigger, you know, the value is getting bigger. And so now TV shows have to be at kind of like the same status as films. So, yeah. Well, and then also like both The Wire and The Affair were pretty good um, shows. Like I saw the first season of The Wire and it was really good. Uh, and then I saw, I think, like, all the way up to season four of The Affair before I moved to L.A. and didn't have Showtime <laughs> available. Um, but yeah, it was pretty, it's a pretty good um, show. Uh, next up is Elizabeth Perkins as Lily Cummings. Um, she's known for He Said, She Said movie with Kevin Bacon. Um, the Flintstone, she played Wilma. Uh, and then she also played uh, another sister in Must Love Dogs. For me, like she's kind of like the person, like um, the people um, that I'm going to talk about um, soon. They're kind of like people that you've seen them in like a show or like a film, but like you don't really know their name or like you know, you know what I mean, like that, you know, them. I think it just depends. I also feel like um, we have to take into account our age group. Uh, I feel like perhaps back in their day, they were more well known, I want to say with maybe uh, a little bit of an older generation. I definitely feel like Sandra Bullock it was one of those actors that didn't just stick with the 80s or the 90s kids that like, you know, she kind of transcends through time. Um, but a lot of the people from her era, uh, I feel like it's hard for us. I mean, they're probably amazing actors. It's just that we oh, yeah, yeah. Get, get to see all their projects because it wasn't, um, it's interesting how right now in our age, we kind of look back at older films, but we only look back at the stuff that people, you know, from that era is like, you should watch this. It's good. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, we would have no idea what is good because we didn't live through that time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next, we have Azura Sky as Andrea Delaney. She is uh, Gwen's roommate during the rehab. A lot of the roles that she was in, um, based on her IMDb, 
page. Uh, it, it's mostly like guest stars or for like a small role for like a few episodes. But the one that I remember is Risk Cutter's A Love Story. It's like a dark comedy. But yeah, like she was pretty good in this film. Uh, next we have Steve Buscemi, which I totally forgot was in this film. Because like I remember I watched this like a few years ago, but I totally forgot that Steve Buscemi was in here. Um, yeah, he was great. I mean, the intro to him was also great. Um, oh, yeah. That later, but he's, he's definitely... I, I, I just remember as a kid seeing him in films and I'm not recognizing that he's kind of like the same actor playing all these different roles. I feel like he always kind of like transforms. In this case, he was, uh, I don't even know what his role is, a guidance. Oh, he was, yeah, he was the uh, rehab, like kind of like the director, like the head um, person. Yeah. Of, yeah. Um, he is known for uh, Fargo, the movie. Uh, Big Lebowski, uh, Reservoir Dogs, uh, and then he's done like a couple of like comedies. I think um, Adam Sandler movies. Yeah, a a lot of Adam Sandler movies. I just, you know, when I was a kid, I remember uh, when I wasn't that young, but my my dad and I were watching that movie, Big Daddy, and I think he was like the homeless man outside of the McDonald's. I think I don't remember if that's exactly. Because it was uh, him and um, what is that act- other actor that Adam Sandler likes to work with? They always like love to be in just little world- roles in his films that they would just pop up and they were always a comedic relief. Oh, um, isn't it like uh, Rob uh, Schneider? Rob- yep, yep, yep. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I do think he, I do think Steve Buscemi was in um, a, a Big Daddy. Uh, which was like you know back in the day it was actually a really like really up you know uplifting film by his dad and his kid and all his guy friends yeah it was like kind of like the uh height of adam sandler's um career it, it was almost like post snl right like he started right. yeah um so then you have alan tudyk um as gerhardt uh he's also the same thing where have you seen him mostly as like a side character or like a guest star or like a small role uh but you can totally like um see him and like kind of notice him uh he is known for dodgeball a true underdog story which is a really good comedy <laughs> and it's like pretty ridiculous because it's about dodgeball and a lot of people take it serious um, and then he's like this pirate that doesn't believe that he's a pirate. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> he's also uh, played A Knight's Tale and this one season show called Firefly. Uh, and then finally, we have Mike O'Malley as Oliver. Uh, he is known for his um, main role in yesteryear is like a cbs tv show like in the early 2000s uh his recent uh show has been snowpiercer it's a tv show version of it uh and then he also played in eat pray love i think it was um viola davis's um husband i think yeah so uh, in terms of backstory, I couldn't find any sources that talked about the backstory of this film. 
Uh, however, I did find uh, information about the writer and the director. Susanna Grant is a screenwriter known for her work like Ever After, and it's like a rendition of a Cinderella story uh, with Drew Barrymore and Angelica Houston. Uh, she's also uh, written In Her Shoes and Catch and Release. Uh, around the same time that 28 Days was released, um, she also wrote Erin Brockovich, which led her to be uh, nominated for Best Original Screenplay during the 73rd Academy Awards. However, she lost to Cameron Crowe for his work in Almost Famous. Uh, and in her most recent work um, is co-writing the Netflix miniseries, Unbelievable, which is based on real life events, which I, I watched that uh, miniseries and it was really good. Like it is kind of like, like it's not um, like something that uh, someone who's like sensitive about like sexual assault would probably watch, but it's a, it's a really interesting crime uh, miniseries and highly recommend. Uh, have you ever seen any of her films or? No, I, I did hear about Un Unbelievable, but I, I haven't seen it. I don't tend to like to watch a lot of crime-centered television shows. Yeah. Uh, so my sister does, and she always recommends like 20 shows on Netflix, which is a problem. I feel like we have so much TV now that it's hard to pick and choose what to, what to watch. Yeah. I mean, I think I... I would highly recommend for you, like maybe in her shoes. Uh, it's about like a sister relationship. Uh, and then also Aaron Brockovich. Um, it's like basically this, um, like she works at a law office that ends up becoming a lawyer with the, because of like, I think it was about the PG and E scandal. I think it was, um, in the San Fernando Valley. It's like more in like the desert area. Um, interesting. I feel like uh, there seems to be a pattern with this writer that she likes to incorporate um, sister stories in her writing. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Cause like 28 days has like a little like sister I relationship. No, it's a big, I mean, it's a big thing. I mean, it's big, but like but it's kind of, Green as much yeah yeah it's kind of like interwoven into like the main story um then you have betty thomas uh she is the director for this film and she's known for her role as sergeant lucy bates on the tv series hill street blues uh and then as of march 2018 uh thomas is just one of two directors to have multiple films on the list of 17 highest US grossing female directed films. Nice. Uh, so it includes the Brady Bunch movie, Dr. Doolittle, and Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakquel. <laughs> <laughs> Which I didn't know that she directed it. I was like, wow, like congrats. And it was the same thing with Dr. Doolittle. Like I completely forgot that that was a female directed film yeah I don't think we um we I, I feel like in my youth at least I, I didn't really focus so much about on directors 
until I kind of grew up and I went to film school and I was like, oh, they, in the film industry, the director really, you know, um, gets to uh, basically show people how they want to see the story. I mean, um, so it, it's, I feel like as I got older, I started to pay more attention to who's making the films versus who's on screen. Yeah, I think for me, like, um, I think it was after Catherine Bigelow won um, the Oscar for the best director. That's when everyone was like, oh, this is like a really uh, great thing. Like, this is like a huge um, achievement because she was the first female director. And then I think when that happened, then you started to see like a wave of like, more and more acknowledgement of like bringing in more female directors yeah um, I definitely can say right now specifically um from my experience in television people are bringing in a lot more uh in television producers are really uh, kind of like the directors for film so they're bringing in a lot of women uh and also women from underrepresented backgrounds which is great um to not necessarily even tell stories about other women. It's I always find it refreshing when a woman directs movies that uh, star men too, because men have been doing that for yeah. years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like, um, yeah, because like they announced like a few months ago that Captain Marvel 2 was going to be directed by the, um, I forgot her name, but she's the director for the new Candyman um film um but yeah like great the man film that um uh, that was supposed to be released like this year but then got in peels film yeah uh, okay yeah it's this like up-and-comer female black director um i haven't seen her previous works i think it's like a lot of um short films but like i mean i totally you know support her because of the trailers yeah especially for the trailers for Candyman. like i was like oh wow this is like gonna be really great um so fun fact uh the guitar guy that was seen throughout the film uh singing uh is actually a famous folk singer named london wainwright the third and he actually contributed um, four songs to the soundtrack of this film that was like cool yeah, yeah. so uh, do you want to start off with uh, talking about the film yeah I, I, I want to say that this um, this was the first film I've seen uh, from kind of like Sandra Bullock's earlier projects uh, I, th- I've seen it for the first time to uh, have this discussion with Jeanette which was great because I had no expectations. I didn't really know what the film was about. Um, I've never seen Sandra B play um, like a, a drunk drug addict before, which was interesting for me. It's, it was an interesting thing for me because she usually, um, I mean, she just, she just looks like a very likable person. Um, in many of her roles, she even uh, appears to be uh, above average intelligence and uh, it can rub people the wrong way, obviously. But uh, in this specific movie, seeing her uh, being a train wreck um, was kind of interesting. So um, the story follows her character, which is Gwen. Um, Gwen and her boyfriend uh, were drinking 
like crazy the night before her sister's wedding. And then uh, they even, uh, like the apartment even catches on fire at some point when they come back home from yeah. the night, um, showcasing to you that their her life is literally on fire. Um, and then she wakes up, she's late. It's a Saturday wedding. Like you're supposed to have, you know, prepared for it. Uh, it's not like in the middle of the week. And yeah. we yeah. see her rushing to get to her sister's wedding with her boyfriend. Um, they can't, uh, I, I don't recall. Oh, they get into a cab. She like doesn't even wear her uh, pantyhose. Like she is just someone who doesn't care. She does not bothered. She's just doing the bare minimum to get there. And when she arrives, she's drunk. I mean, she arrives with a bottle of alcohol, I think, to her sister's wedding. And her sister uh, kind of um, sets up the rest of the film for us when she says, um, you make it really hard for us. You make it really hard for people to uh, love you or like you or something like that. Um, yeah, I think it was love you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because like she was like 45 minutes late and I, it, based on that they had to go on a train, it kind of seemed like this was like an upstate New York type of event. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, then they leave, like they go to uh, uh, the chapel to do the ceremony. And then Gwen takes like a couple of pills before she follows the group. Yeah. That's when we were introduced to the Vicodin. Yes. Uh, and then it moves on to the reception. Gwen and Jasper kind of like are very inebriated a bit. Um, like they're kind of like dancing erratic. Like they're trying to do like a 1950s like. Uh, dance or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And like they're like bumping into people. Like they place one of the um, like the outdoor uh dishes yeah yeah the on like the chair and like i believe the mother-in-law sits on it and she boils her skirt and um i think the big moment there that we at least see at the time as the audience member is when uh gwen uh played by sandra uh basically stumbles from her dance and falls over and the cake is destroyed and um, what makes matters worse is that she's laughing because she's high and drunk. And so um, the thing that I thought was really interesting in that moment was like a really interesting acting choice was that Sandra was like, she just gets up and she's like, I'm gonna replace it. And then we cut to her like dragging her feet, walking towards a car and we see that she starts to undress. We don't really see the rest of her body. We're like, is she walking around naked yeah. in her underwear? And then we see that she stole the limo, uh, the, like the just married limo, and she drives off. And that scene was stressful, like super stressful, like her driving while drunk. I, I don't yeah. know if they filmed it. It just made me feel like I was with her in the car. I, the whole time I was just like, this is not going to end well. Um, I feel like that was the dramedy part of it is that it wasn't like a comedy chase scene or it was actually scary. Um, But yeah, um, do you want to continue the rest? Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah, she like tries to find uh, 
like a nearby cake shop to um, get basically get a replacement. Um, but then like she's like almost like on her phone, like trying to get the operator. And then like also she's like swerving, um, you know, around the road, like she almost gets hit by a car. Then it causes her to lose track of like where uh, she is on the road. And when she looks up, she realizes that she's about to go on the curb. She gets on the curb. She hits a jockey statue um, and then crashes into a house. Uh, And then we see her stumbling out of the car as we hear police sirens. And like, it doesn't really say like what happens in between um, the accident and then the next scene, but it is assumed that she had a choice between jail time and 28 days at a rehab center, and then she decides to go for the rehab center. So then she arrives at the rehab um, center, and she's our, she doesn't like the place. Like, she doesn't like the chanting. She doesn't like that she can't call uh, or use her phone. Um, she doesn't like that she has to make her bed, like, every day. Yeah, they, they, well, I thought it was interesting, like, when she arrives, they're like, we don't carry your bags, you carry your own bags, and then they kind of go through her stuff, and because she's a rebel, she tries to go through the stuff of, um, of, of the, I don't know what they call her, a nurse, the attendance, uh, desk. Yeah, Um, I think she, she might have been, like, the head, like, um, nurse, or something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but the head nurse is like uh, experienced. She's not phased. She's not like, oh my God, like you're going through my stuff. No, she had her drawers locked. Like she didn't care. She didn't, she was like, I'm going to flush your Vicodin down the toilet. Like from the get go, we get this vibe that, um, you know, Gwen is really entering a place that she's not accepting. She's and it's not- almost like she, yeah. she's going to a place where she can't control it. Like, yeah. it's being controlled by someone else basically absolutely and um and then she goes into her room and she's roomed with someone who um i i, I thought it was interesting that her roommates uh was like she kind of dressed exactly like a teen from the time you know like with the hair like the overtly dark black dyed hair yeah bangs uh, and, and it was like, the same thing with Gwen. Like she also had like the oh, hair yeah. strands and then the long jacket. Like, oh, I walked into the like the late nineties. It was interesting um, to see them, and you know, to uh, the 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 super thin eyebrows, like the standard. Yeah. I think it was. I just want to comment on it because I think it's. I think a lot of stylists and makeup artists take a lot of time to make the actors. You know fit into the what is considered attractive or appealing or in season at the time so I just thought it was interesting to watch it now 20 years later and be like oh that was that was that was the look back then um and her uh roommate uh what's her character's name I uh Andrea Andrea yeah Andrea is a heroin addict she's very young she's 17 and um but she seems really friendly um, Andrea kind of substitutes her addiction to heroin with like eating a lot of sweets, which, um, you know, Gwen's character at first was like, Ugh, like, what are you a child? Um, so, um, I, I don't know if we want to go into the details of how she was resisting, but I think 
Jeanette, you can bring up some of the points, like some of the incidents she did at the beginning before uh, she met uh, Steve uh, Buscemi's character, the account, the, you know, the, the guy that managed yeah. the facilities. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to call him. Yeah. So uh, it's almost like that she's like trying to be a rebel. Like she, she's like, no, I don't want to do this. This is really stupid. You know, what's the point of chanting? What's the point of doing these like group therapies? Uh, she also gets pissed off that the cigarettes are sold out every time she goes to that like small shop that they have and then all that's left is like candy and she ends up like regretting making fun of Andrea for eating chocolate and eating sweets and then she ends up having to like eat like chewing gum or like some like uh candy uh like hard candy or something yeah that um, that whole time every time they would eat the candy like my teeth would hurt because it was just like an insane amount of candy um and I think it's important to point out that during the time so like the first couple of days when she was there we start to notice that she uh is having withdrawal like from the yes yeah she's manifested itself in like us as the audience seeing uh, big video images of like her mom who was an alcoholic and who was raising them as an alcoholic and you know her their mom basically raised them to be like it's not life if it's not if you're not having fun all the time and her definition of fun is basically being out of it the whole time yeah yeah like um I would say like at the start of like her withdrawal symptoms, we start to see like a lot of flashbacks of her childhood and we start to like over time, we start to see what caused her to become an alcoholic and a, you know, almost a drug addict. Um, And so there also is a time when she decides to go outside and walk around that she sees Cornell who at first she thinks it's like another patient and so she's like hey can you I thought it was an interesting choice that they had that everyone at that facility seems to be using cigarettes to cope well because like it because um he was a former addict yeah because when you're an addict like if you can't like get drugs or alcohol it's almost like you had to move that addict to another form of addict so a lot of times it's like candy or um, sex in this in a lot of the characters in the film yeah um so because I mean for my mom and dad like they usually um eat like sweets I think it's really interesting uh for me to watch this film because I am someone that has never I don't do drugs and I don't drink alcohol and so I've never understood what it was like to have a blackout or what it was like to be um, extremely out of it that you can't remember what you did. Um, And so I thought that this film was really interesting because I I got to see uh, the perspective of a drug addict and what it feels like to say no to someone when they don't want to be sober. uh, so that was that was a, that was something that the film did very well. Um, but yeah, so she meets with uh, with uh, Steve Buscemi. I just Cornell. <laughs> Cornell. Um, it's a nice name. Yeah. Yeah. And- so um, he gives her he bumps her a cigarette, and then she kind of like did like a subtle like, "Hey, I'm looking for like some like prescription drugs. You know anyone who can 
um like get like a source or something like that and then he's like kind of like hinting like oh like I think that's kind of like a bad thing that you should do like maybe you should reconsider he told her that if you get caught they're definitely gonna kick you out and she was like well I don't plan on getting caught and he was like too late yeah and I thought that was a very interesting introduction we cut to his office and we see that he actually manages this facility and she's all like well I would just playing what are you gonna do hit like just slap me on my wrist and like you know yeah. uh, get out of here and he just kept telling her like you're deflecting with your sense of humor like you don't I mean obviously like if you uh yeah because like she's a rehab facility and the head guy catches you asking for drugs you feel pretty ashamed but I think her character at that time didn't want to even admit that she had a problem. She just wanted the rest. She wanted them to feel like they were the ones who had a problem. And she is just someone who can control herself. Yeah. Like, it's almost like that she thinks like, oh, like, I'm just having fun. Like, I don't, I don't think that my, like, I'm an addict. Like, she doesn't think of that. Yeah. Um, And then um, during like one of the first visiting days jasper visits and as like they kind of do this whole like kind of like making out scene like it's like yeah, this huge they're rolling around yeah like slips her bike it in into her pocket and um and and we start as the audience members understand that i mean in the beginning of the film we realize that jasper enables her he enables this lifestyle but he is truly even though he is being a good boyfriend and like, you know, standing up against the man in that scene, he was actually not helping her because he gave her exactly what she should be staying away from. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then not only does he give her the Vicodin, he sprungs her. And I think we have this scene where they are like making out and drinking and having sex. Like, yeah, like he sneaks her out of the facility and then like they go like day drinking and like get high off of like prescription drugs. And then she returns. Like, I don't know how like she returns. I don't know if Jasper like drops her off or. That that was like a style in the film where there were, um, it, it didn't seem like, you know, your usual Hollywood film where there were like transition shots or transition scenes or like, uh, you know, uh, kind of like exposition. It, they, it, the director uh, kind of chose to cut to, she's just stumbling back into the hallway and everyone is staring at her. Yeah, particularly and- like the top people, like Cornell, the yeah, head nurse. Yeah, the group that she's uh, she's in too. Um, but then we cut to again her being in uh, Cornell's office, and he's like, "I told you, if you get caught doing drugs, you know, you're gonna go. You're like, we're getting kicked out." And she's like, "Oh, where, where are you gonna send me?" And he was like, "She was like another facility. Like, I like I don't want to leave another facility." And he's like, "No, you're going to jail." Yeah. And then at first, like, she thinks, like, he's joking. But then, like, once he picks up the phone and, like, dials, then she kind of gets a little nervous. And she's like, wait a minute. Like, no, I think you're... He gets angry at him. Yeah. He's just, like... Well, angry, I feel like it was a mix between angry and scared because it's, like, the whole beginning of the film, she's in a state of denial. And then kind of, like, reality hits her. 
and she um she goes back so she's angry at him she's like screw you fine i'll pack my bags and she goes back to her room and that's when we start to see her uh, make that little braid train with the candy wrappers I don't, I don't know that was like the scene when i started to realize that she is freaking out about her addiction and uh, she takes the vicodin pills and she throws them out well first like she like takes it out of her hiding place then like yes. throw like tosses like two in and then realize yeah. like oh no she doesn't want to do that and then spits it out and then throws it out of her window yeah um, it was very dramatic that fall of the pills i thought it was interesting like it was like i was like that's not how it would look like if regular pills fall on gra- grass but i guess i mean in the in the logic of the physical world of this film uh, it seems that even the shots are a little drunk, like the the like the way they framed some of the shots and like the way they um, showed us some of her flashback scenes. And sometimes they even cut to little interviews with the people in her uh, rehab group. And uh, it's, it's almost like, like a fishbowl type. It is. You know, it's very like yes, fuzzy except for the face. Yeah, and the whole purpose is definitely to just. Um, maybe showcase the film from the perspective of someone who is high or someone who is uh you know an alcoholic someone who's drunk um and i thought that was interesting and pretty cool yeah uh yeah and again she throughout that day she experienced withdrawal symptoms and again she continues to avoid meetings and activities and then later that evening she spots the pills um and She's kind of like in her head, it's like, I really should go get them. Like it's her ad addiction that's like, you should go get them. So then yeah. you could like, like push down that emotion that you have. And they overlapped actually that everyone else went to uh, kind of like Cornell was doing as like his, he was like talking about his own experience with addiction. And so they overlapped him talking about his experience and waking up on a sidewalk and deciding that this is not the way to live, it's a way to die. And I thought it was very interesting that they overlapped him talking about how uh, it's it feels like your skin or, or something in the sense of like your skin is on fire, like you need the drugs. And we cut to her looking at the pills through the window and realizing that she can't go through the main door because there is a nurse downstairs. So she climbs up a tree and because she's still like kind of like hallucinating and withdrawing she sees herself like she's hanging from the tree but then we cut to her in the window I guess a better version of herself being like Mm-mm-mm, you're gonna fall it's almost like her her conscious basically yeah. you're gonna fall like you're you're doing something stupid like come on type of thing and then and then what we were all waiting we're waiting to happen was that she falls from the tree and um, we're like is she okay because the Cornell was at that point talking about he that he woke up on a sidewalk and he was covered in blood and then we are introduced to Eddie yes who walks in like a, you know like a guy in shining arm I don't know what the expression is and he's carrying her into the lobby but he's not like a doctor there or anything. Yeah, because like the way it looked, it looked like he was like a doctor that was coming in for yeah. his shift. 
But then he was like, nope, I am just another guy checking myself in. And, uh, and I thought that was too, that was interesting as well, is that we don't even continue with him. And then we cut to, again, her in the nurse office, getting her, um, like, you know. Yeah, getting like the boot on her leg. And exactly. And that's when she bumps into Cornell again. And she's like, very serious about telling him that I don't want to go back to jail. Because like, she finally knows that she has a problem. Yeah, she was saying like, my hand is shaking, like, this is not normal. And, uh, and that's when, you know, we cut to her with her other uh, group mates who are like, I don't, I, I'm, I'm so, I hate you. Like you're staying here, even though like none of us, like everyone else knows if you, if you get high on the supply, you get kicked out and they were just angry at her, the other uh, people in the facility because they were recovering and they didn't, you know, use, but she did and she gets to stay. Yeah. And she kind of like, um, she just like, stand, like she just yells at them. She's like, back off. Like, this is the worst day of my life. And then they uh, all clap. They're like, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, they're clapping. And then we we cut to the the chores board, which in the beginning, I believe we we realized that she didn't want to do her bed, she didn't want to clean, she didn't want to do anything. And even though we can see her like supporting her weight on crotches, they hand her a mop bucket and they, they send her not to the girls' bathroom, to the guys' bathroom. And that's when she bumps again into Eddie. And uh, do you want to do you want to talk about that part where she's like about yeah. last night? <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh, about last night. And then he confu- he thought that he was drunk again or going through another blackout phase. And he thought that he he like probably like had sex with her like months ago. And then like she's like coming back being like, hey, like we had sex a few months ago or something like that. And he's like, oh, like I. I don't remember and then she's like no I'm talking about last night like when you saved me and he's like oh okay (laughs) yeah and I I feel like he really really like even when she told him about it he was kind of like out of it um and I thought it was an interesting introduction to his character because she was starting to warm up to another uh kind of like man that was kind of like you know a, a romantic interest because he literally like carried her in with his big strong arms but it turns out that he was like, just like her and that he was like, you know, I, I just don't want to hook up with someone else with like a girl that I like he thought that she wanted to sleep with him again. And he was like, no, 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 like, I don't think I should like sleep with someone again. And I don't know their name. And she's like, good luck with that. I'm just gonna go and she's like embarrassed. And um, I think that at that time, too, that's when she starts to bond with her roommate who starts to be like, oh, how do you, like, how do you, she started to make this um, little braid with like all the candy wrappers and her roommate was like, how did you like learn how to do that? And uh, I think that was around the time when we started to see her, that was like the montage when we started to see her heal. Yeah, Um, like she starts to develop uh, friendships with the other patients and then she starts to go to, like some of like the retreats that they go to like the horse like yes. trying to trust the horse to or lift climbing up, the... up the like the rock yeah um, I thought it was interesting that you know so one of those things about writing is that you don't bring up something unless it like has a purpose behind it 
And I felt like um, they, you know, if I had to cut a scene that was kind of like unrelated to the whole theme of the film, it would probably be the rock, not rock climbing. It was like a climbing tree scene because it was like the one thing that they didn't kind of come back to. Like the horse uh, uh, center was something that they just repeatedly did a montage off of like showing everyone that was at the facility failed to, you know, have the horse lift its hoof after pitting it in like a certain way. So um, that was something that I felt like it was just showing, you know, it was kind of like that scene for Mulan when like they were training the troops and the troops were like really bad at the beginning and were like, you know, messing it up. So uh, it was interesting to see that. And then Jasper decides to uh, come back again and he- Yeah, this time for like during the second uh, visiting day. Yeah. He like he 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 well he comes back and he's like he tr- tries to make out with her but she has like the cast on her foot and it's really weird and she's kind of like oh like get off like she wasn't really into him no and like it, it kind of it was like a huge 180 from the first visiting day like it was like she didn't like that he you know was like trying to be like Slop. like all yeah like all yeah. Of- I feel like it was one of those situations when, um, and, and, and this is, I think, part of, uh, you know, being someone who is sober and being someone who's drunk all the time is that the, the, it's about the company you keep, right? So like when she's drunk, he might seem like the most charming, fun guy in the world, but when she's dead sober, he is, um, he, he starts to appear to be really selfish, annoying, unconsiderate, yes. enabling, um and i obnoxious too oh extremely i yeah. hated that guy uh, i mean nothing wrong with the actor he just no, the played, actor did a really good job as being yeah, a- he played a really horrible person so jasper is like oh look come with me and he like takes her on this boat on a beautiful lake i mean the whole time watching that scene i was like oh my god i really want to be on a lake right now again you guys we're recording this podcast during covid uh and winter time Anyways, um, and then he's sitting there and he's like, oh, take a piece of this bread. And she like really didn't want his bread. Like she was rejecting him with every aspect of body language you can think of. And then she does it anyways. And she sees a ring and she's like, so you're really going to propose to me right now in the middle of like me being in rehab? He's like, no, no, no. I'm like pretending like this is not it. Like I'm just proposing to you right now. You just happen to be here. Um, and that's when you start to see like he is he's kind of like proposing to her. He's trying to marry his needs, not really proposing to her because he like is, really loves her. Like she's just fun. I mean, he he wants it. He thinks I feel like Jasper's character thinks that this is just like a temporary sit back and then they're going to go back to being just the way they were. Yeah. Like he's like, oh, this is like a court order thing. Like this isn't something that. Uh, Gwen actually wants to do yeah um, it's like and oh like, like, are they telling you are they telling you that that you're you're you have a problem and she's yeah. like yeah she's like yeah no but I do believe it and then he brings like a thermos with like wine or champagne in it and she like takes it and she's like what is this he's like I just brought champagne to a rehab facility which is crazy yeah she does this thing where she opens it up and tosses it in the lake water and she just doesn't she I guess she doesn't accept we don't and we don't really see her say yes or no 
but we kind of conclude that she didn't really accept the engagement and then um like later that night her group of other addicts like talked about is like oh well we saw you on the lake like did he propose and and then they're kind of like letting her know like hey like jasper isn't someone that you should continue having a relationship with if you want to remain sober yeah and then and that's when she started to develop kind of like uh, bond she started to bond with eddie um who you know tried to learn more about her story when they were cleaning the stables i guess at the horse farm he told her about his addiction which is in the form of he's a He's, uh, um, oh, we learn on the trip back from, from when they went to climb trees that he's a famous baseball player. And um, we, she gets to see kind of like a glimpse of his life and how he like feels bad about having this addiction because there are these two little boys who are like asking for his, their, his autograph. And then the dad sees like, us and yeah from the, her, uh, the rehabilitation facility. And he's like, come on kids. And, um, and uh, you know, Gwen's character is just kind of like standing in the background and she sees that. Uh, but then he starts to be honest and real with her. And he tells her like, I, you know, um, you know, I, I used to just have, um, no, actually before that, there was a scene where she and him, or he's sitting and he's watching. So right after he uh, comes yes. from the, uh, you know, from the gas station, um, they're sitting, it's night, and he's watching the soap opera that her roommate loves. Yeah, originally, she, yeah, originally, she thought that he was watching some of his old plays, like from games that I, that were either recorded by someone else, or he recorded himself, or, you know, whatever, but that it was a soap opera, and that's kind of what led to him revealing that yes he he is a fan of the soap opera which then connects yeah. to andrea who also likes the soap opera yeah and and i think in that scene too was when we started to see that like there was a little spark between them because when they're kind of like he's like he you know the soap opera comes on and he like tries to change the channel and like they you know roll around in you know kind of like a very romantic comedy aspect of like the early 2000s late 90s it's all with like the two characters stumble upon each other and then their faces find each other on the couch and then they start kissing and he stops and he's like no I I don't want to I don't want to like this is like a part of my addiction is like I start to um you know I'm he's like he either gets drunk and has sex with women or he starts to have sex with women to fill his need for drinking And she starts to laugh and she's like, oh, you thought you were going to snort me or something like that. Um, and he um, so him and her kind of like they she's like, no, 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 it's OK. It's OK that you kiss me. But we can tell that she's she has a crush on him. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think it's like it's almost like that she's trying to follow the rules because I think one of the rules was she can't fraternize with other patients. Yes. Although there's that guy character. I don't know his name. Who was like hitting on her from oh yeah oliver but then he's known for being like a sex addict basically. yeah um the scenes where we stumble upon oliver having sex with like women in the uh, uh elevator are, are, were just like really interesting yeah um 
So yeah, so her and Eddie end up at the stables. They're cleaning it. And he tells her about his life. And he tells her about like what he did wrong. He said, like, I had a friend from childhood. And then I ended up sleeping with his wife. And he walked in on us. And he's like, what's your thing? And uh, at that time, at that point in the film, she has already tried to reconnect with her sister who refused to like show up to like the family uh, kind of like, um, I guess it's not like an intervention, but it's like a family conversation that is supervised by the doctor. And, uh, and she just kind of lashes out on him for invading. And she's like, oh, did your mom like drop you as a kid? Like, are you, you know, yeah. then? Um, and she just, and then her sister actually shows up to the rehab facility and they, and they have a big fight. Yeah. Um, because Lily brings up that, oh, you ruined my wedding day. And she brings up, um, uh, this moment at the reception where Gwen made this public speech which basically she tells the crowd that Lily doesn't actually love her now husband and thinks that she can do better. And when Gwen was hearing this, Gwen was like, I don't remember that. Like, I don't, I think you're just lying. Or it's like, she's just making it up yeah. um, for the doctor. And then this like frustrates Lily. And then she just leaves the uh, group therapy. Yeah. She says, I have a laugh. I don't know why I'm doing this. Um, yeah. And um, I don't remember exactly when, um, I feel like when at, at some point she uh, walks in on her roommate and she realizes that she has been uh, cutting herself and she tells her like, you know, you need to talk to someone about this. And her roommate is like, no, 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 I'll, I'll talk to some, I don't tell anyone. I don't want them to take me to the psychiatric ward. And then a couple of days before her roommate is uh, scheduled to leave rehab, uh, we start to see that she's like, she's not ready to leave rehab, but she's packing to go for rehab. So Gwen decides to write this play uh, that, uh, that basically mimics her favorite, um, uh, her, uh, her roommate's favorite is soap opera. And all of her new friends from the group um, kind of take roles and, and they, uh, they all uh, do this show in front of her. And around that time, she starts to realize that she also needs to make it up for Eddie for like telling him that he's, you know, invading her privacy. And he's obviously outside. I love like on all these movies, like all the hot guys, they're always working out outside doing like, it's always like that. It's always like they're doing something physical. And uh, she walks up to him and he's like avoiding her and he continues to work out mad. Right. And then he's like, she was like, I, I don't know. I didn't want to tell you all the sticky stuff about me because it's like, it's just like, you know, like I'm just a horrible, like, like I did all these things. I'm a bad person. He was like, you just did these things. They don't really define you. And earlier in the second visit, Jasper, I thought this was interesting. I'm, I kind of want to go back to that. When Jasper tried to propose to her, she told him, I want to live a sober life because there are people out there that are sober and they're happy and they don't need alcohol. They don't need drugs. And he just tried to impose on her this idea that like life sucks and there's no happiness. And it's just like the people that figured it out are the people that realize that might as well be high while you, you know, live through it. And on the other hand, we have uh, Eddie who actually he battles with addiction, but he doesn't have that view. He doesn't tell her that life is horrible. He doesn't tell her that she's 
you know, um, she's a, she's an alcoholic or a drug addict. He tells her that she's more than that. And so like, he's touching her cheek and guess who shows up at that moment? Jasper. (laughs) So what, so tell, tell them what happens. Yeah. So, uh, when there's like an almost intimate moment between Eddie and Gwen, Jasper like shows up in the middle of the forest with them unannounced because it's it's not visiting day. Um, and thinking that Jasper, like thinking that Eddie is like stealing Gwen from uh, him, like Jasper kind of like tries to one up Eddie. Like he starts to like bulk up and be like, oh, like, you think like you can like steal my girl type of thing. And then they kind of get into a scuffle and then Eddie ends up punching Jasper. Gwen breaks up the fight and kind of aids more towards Jasper, which causes Eddie to like think like, oh, like you only like him. Like, you know, again, like you only prefer going back to your old ways rather than moving on. Yeah. Which I think, which I think we'll later on see that it reflects in a way where he um, kind of relapses into his addiction. But after that incident with Jasper, um, Gwen goes back to her uh, room and she sees her roommate overdosed on the floor. Uh, she used heroin and her death really uh it really hits her hard. It really changes her. Like she's even in, she, she sits in Cornell's office and he's talking to her, but we, the audience member can't even see or hear what he's saying. We just hear mumbles. Yeah. I think like all we got was like, oh, like she didn't commit suicide. She OD'd. Like that was kind of like the excuse of but, like the but, death. But Gwen couldn't, couldn't, I feel like she was feeling bad because she did see her cut herself before yeah. and she didn't tell anyone about it. So to see her dead, I felt like she felt like she was uh, responsible for her um, uh, death. And then she, we see her watch her mom, uh, uh, her roommate's mom pick up you know, the rest of her stuff. And it's just like in the sad scene where um, she realizes that it's like, you know, uh, when she's like, she's really broken, she's crying. She sees Eddie coming out of, it's so weird that all like the women those guys are hooking up with are just like blonde women and I just think it's interesting that they made that choice like it's always like oh the blonde girl is the bimbo that would sleep with any guy uh or I don't know maybe it was the same girl that was hooking up with I, the- I wonder oh. if it was the same girl or like the same, the same like girl. but I have like the- hired <laughs> Well, I feel like I feel like it probably was the same girl, but we just didn't even notice her. But because she doesn't have any lines, we don't see her in any of the other scenes. She's just always standing like either half naked in the elevator or if we're coming from the bedroom. But she's kind of like a prop. And uh, and I just was I thought it was like interesting uh, that, you know, that she sees that at that moment and he feels bad not because he's cheating on her or anything like that, but that he, like, she sees him in his low moment while she's having a low moment when he should have been her friend at the time. Um, Yeah. But we can definitely see that he has feelings for her and she does too. Um, And then I don't really recall what happened before she was discharged. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. I kind of know a little bit. It's she basically calls uh, Lily 
Oh yes, her sister. And then Lily is like, hey, like, you know, kind of like pissed off at first, thinking like, oh, like she's just here to ask for more money. Uh, but Gwen was like, I like she kind of I don't remember what she said, but it was almost like a almost like a cry of like help, like please like come and yeah. talk to me type of thing. And then when Lily um, comes to visit, uh, Lily does admit that she could have helped Gwen more when they were growing up because um, in, I think it was like a few flashbacks ago, like uh, there's this one scene where we see that uh, both Gwen and Lily's mom um, passes away from alcohol poisoning and that the aunt's uh, ends up like taking care of them and then Gwen in another flashback like she's trying to be like oh like let's like do another game or like do another fun activity yeah, like, flip the table and use it as a sled just like mom did yeah and, and then just- Lily is like no you need to grow up or like this is unacceptable and I think like uh, back to um, this like kind of very uh, great moment between them like she kind of does understand that she should have at least like helped her out um, in terms of like helping to move on, helping I to like- her as her older sister because yeah. she said that thing where she said like, I would be hanging out with my friends and then seeing you walk back home a couple of like blocks away and you're just like by yourself. And so uh, what, ended up, what ended up happening is that Lily kind of moved on from this trauma of having like her parents not be in her life. And she, you know, she married the rich guy and she has a good life. And, and her sister ended up being exactly like her mom because that's like the only form of uh, female guidance that she had in her life. Um, and so, yeah, and then so she admits she you know Gwen says I'm sorry I make it hard for you to love me and her sister says it's impossible for me to not love you yeah um and I think that's after that that's when uh Gwen uh, checks out of rehab and everyone like you know plays a song and they're very happy to see her and she goes in the car and while she's about to leave the rehab facility comes eddie running from the i don't know why it's like just running from the woods like did he like wait in the trees it's like oh she's coming yeah it's like was a very it was a very romantic moment and you know the romantic in me always wants to see the you know the male lead and the female lead end up together Mm -hmm. and so he stands in front of the car and he goes up to her window and he's like I, I know I screwed up. I know I shouldn't have lashed out on Jasper, but I honestly was so happy when he punched Jasper. I was like, yes, Jasper was being like an awful person. Yeah. He tells her that you deserve better than Jasper. And if you think that I, I'm not a friend to you, then like you're a bigger idiot than I thought you were. Yeah. But I thought in that moment, I, I mean, honestly, the movie was really, it's not, it wasn't about her falling in love. It was about her sobering up. But at that moment, I really just wanted him to like, you know, take her out of the car and they kiss and like they ended up being happy, happily ever after. Right. But uh, but that's it. And she goes back to her apartment and Jasper shows up with a turkey. Yeah. And I was like, what? And he was 
well this just like to represent like i i think it was like a turkey or a chicken but he was basically trying to tell her i'm sorry i was all mad about uh this you know seeing you with this guy and uh, um yeah and kind of like saying like oh like i can change like we can like do running together we can like you know quit going to bars or he sounded really i i thought it was i mean this is why i said the actor was really good even though i hated this character he really um he really embodied what it was like to be an addict in denial or someone who who doesn't like here's the thing about change i feel like people think that uh you can change someone like you can change someone and that's not true change is basically the person themselves recognizing that there's a pattern of behavior that leads to actions that you know it it just it makes them miserable yeah it was the same thing with um what's love got to do where tina realizes that when she kind of starts doing her chanting that she realized like oh wow i'm in a horrible relationship i need to get out it's yeah so she recognized that change but he didn't go through that he was pretending that he could change for her but uh well it's almost like he thinks that it's easy like you could just you know yeah like yep just like that you can you can you know become that boring straight couple that doesn't do drugs or alcohol and so they, and so he's like, you don't want to do it alone. And that was an interesting moment because it's always interesting when um, a man's strategy to keep a woman in his life is to convince her that she can't live without him. And so she was like, Haha, no. And then they go to the restaurant and their old friends are there and she's telling him, I don't know. Like she started, that was the scene where she started to realize that he is annoying. He is obnoxious. She doesn't like to hear him when she's sober. And then the friends show up and she realizes that they're obnoxious. And they're like, come, come with us. There's a party. Like, you want to come and drink? And, and they put like a, a glass of wine in her face. And she yeah. just walks out of the restaurant. And he follows her. And she's like, I, that, that was a funny scene. When like, there are just two policemen horses and like... <laughs> alleyway i'm like okay, like, with, like no one nearby them yeah I th- this is that was the part of the film where i started to see that there's like some stylistic surreal choices in the film like they decide to like it's fine this is the this is the narrative we have it's so no there were not only one horse there were two horses which was yeah. weird. um i all i almost thought that she was hallucinating them and then she tries the method again of like patting the horse a certain way, pit with the grain. And then the horse lifts its hoof and she's like, oh my God, I can do this by myself. And then she goes and she holds Jasper's face and she's like, bye Jasper. And like, she walks away. Um, and then you talk about the last scene because I want to comment about how I didn't like the ending but you you just describe it no there was nothing wrong with it it was just kind no of no like- no yeah I think it's almost like that they didn't know how to end it yeah and so they're like oh let's just put this in but um but yeah I'm assuming it was like weeks later or maybe a month later I'm not sure but Gwen um enters this like plant slash floral shop and she bought she spots um Gerhardt at the cashier complaining about 
the plant that he bought from this guy is like oh like it's not it's dead it's been dead for you know it just died and the guy's like well did you water it and then he starts to get all emotional it's like i was told by cornell that if i like take care of a plant and if i take care of like a, a dog and we later see like a dog like right next to him <laughs> like a status yeah yeah he's just a yeah. bulldog yeah and he's like crying and the guy's like well I'm not accepting like the return like you killed the plant <laughs> so then he turns around sad and then he looks up and sees Gwen who's like smiling because it's like she kind of understands like he really does want to like have sex like he wants to like have a casual lifestyle but yeah. still be sober but and um and then he basically goes up to her and like cries on her shoulders like I'm trying I'm trying <laughs> like it's okay and then like they cut to the credit and I was like what I I that was the part of the film that I was just kind of like you're right I feel like they didn't know how to end it but this is how I would have ended it if I wanted it to be satisfactory to my audience um I understand why they they might have chosen not to give uh, Gwen a romantic interest at the end of the movie because they wanted to show that she could be okay on her own. Like she yeah, was, I think there. it was more focused on like the recovery rather than yeah. like oh let me see another you know person to yeah. fall in love with. But, but I I just I really thought that Eddie's character was very likable that they should have brought him at the end of the movie the way they ended things with him was kind of like, um, they kind of robbed the audience from a moment. I feel like I would have loved if they ended the, um, the ended the, the film with a scene with not just, uh, um, uh, with just that one guy from her group, but she actually catches up with everyone that she went to rehab with. And like, they have like their moment and, or maybe, you know, like, yeah, maybe they're hanging out at the, um, at the house of like the mom who was, uh, who had a, a, a drug or a drinking problem. Yeah kids are there uh just something that makes us feel like she's she has new friends and um I I really really wanted to see Eddie again her life because I feel like they would have made a really good couple if she has recovered and like he has recovered um just something about that ending makes it a lot more happy right I mean I'm not saying there was anything like unhappy about the ending it was just kind of like it's still sad that she's she has to like um kind of go through it alone but she is strong to do it I just felt like as someone who liked the other characters I didn't want their ending to be at the facility I wanted to actually see them outside of it all of them Eddie I really liked Eddie's character um so that was like the thing that I felt like oh I didn't like the ending <laughs> yeah I think for me I think it would have been best if like they jump forward to like maybe a year um and then like she's already you know probably got another job um maybe writing a book I don't know and then like maybe she's like hanging out at Central Park and then Eddie spots her is like hey how are you and it's kind of like this very sweet you know experience that they they enjoy each other and then maybe be like hey like do you want to have coffee like yeah maybe yep. like that is very it's very cute I think would yeah have liked that more um yeah. than the current ending yeah but uh let's uh talk about our thoughts on the characters so what did you think about Gwen Cunnings 
Um, I thought, so here's the thing. The thing is I'm so used to seeing uh, Sandra, Sandra B in like this light of um, she is, she's uh, smart, you know, like um, I, I don't normally see her being someone who uh, doesn't care about anyone but herself. Like even if it's just like a recovery story, um, I've definitely sympathized with Wynn's character more because Sandra Bullock was playing her. Um, if I imagined another actress doing that role, I don't know if I would have been as uh, sympathetic with her because she does go through an arc. She does go through a lot of changes, but she's really horrible in the beginning of the movie that you kind of, uh, you really have a hard time feeling bad for her. Uh, but I, I mean, you do, you do sympathize with her because she's being played by Sandra. But uh, if she was another actress portraying her, I don't know if I would, I would have probably checked out of the movie because I'm like, oh, she's like really like super horrible and entitled. And like, she thinks she can get away with like destroying people's houses and possibly killing people. Like um, there's, I, I don't think I am programmed to have sympathy for people who get drunk and make bad decisions. And I think that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, I I think for this character, it had to be played by someone who probably is known for being like the girl next door, or at least like someone who had who is known for doing a lot of like nice character. Because I think if like you have like maybe Angelina Jolie play this, it it would probably just like offset it to be like, oh, like this is this isn't like someone that's going out of their like safe zone in terms of acting um so i really like that they picked sandra bullock for this um i think that like the transition like her journey was great where it went from like her being like oh like i'm just having fun yes i got into like an accident yes i caused someone to have almost like the front of their house destroyed but it's like I'm just doing this for um, just to like avoid jail time. But then when she realized like, no, this is pretty serious. Then she starts to realize, oh, like, I think I really should like, you know, see how it goes. Like maybe try um, to sober up, maybe try to do some of these group therapies. Maybe they'll help out. And I think as um, time goes on and as like the, uh, story continues we start to see like more of her backstory that it's more of maybe like the fact that she didn't have a mom to really or like even like a female um, adult to rely on in terms of like inspiration or in terms of advice that it caused her to almost delve into alcoholism like her mom and later uh, drug addiction preferably prescription drugs and I think the bond between her and Lily uh, improved when she realized when it's almost like when she kind of like stepped out of her like head and she realized like oh like a lot of my actions I did when I was high or drunk affected people around me and I think that's kind of when she realized that yeah I need to apologize to Lily about the incident at the wedding and maybe incidents that she did 
uh, probably beforehand. And yeah, I think, I think for me, this was like a really good role for Sandra Bullock. It was, um, I think this kind of was like the start of her, like maybe trying something new. Cause I think beforehand she's done a lot of like rom-coms and she, I think she did like speed before this. Um, so it's like, it's a, it's out of her like realm of what she usually does. So I think it was a pretty good job. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, she did a great job. Um, I, I feel like all the characters were definitely interesting in this film. Um, I, 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 wanna, I don't want to say it's an ensemble film because it was she was the lead, she was the hero. But um, I definitely felt like they gave each character a little bit of a backstory. It wasn't like centered around three people only. It's like we kind of saw every single person in her group in the rehab facility have their own kind of character arc and um, they didn't just exist for her they kind of like they just had their own life um so that was just an interesting um aspect of the film yeah let's um yeah I think for me um like I like that because um at least like the characters weren't the other characters weren't just there just to fill in like the role or to like fill in like maybe like conversations or whatnot but um but it did like give enough to kind of understand where each of the addicts and maybe even people like jasper and lily are coming from um and it didn't have to be like oh like like an obvious like explanation of their backstory but it was like with Rhonda um the black woman that was at the rehab um her moment was like when her son and her daughter actually came to visit the rehab um, center and they kind of showed pictures of like oh this is what happens when you know you get drunk and I feel upset like I feel lonely or you know I don't I think that you should change and that kind of gives this like understands like oh again it's like it's not just the addicts that are dealing with this it's also family members and even friends are dealing with it yeah i i definitely i i definitely have um only from my you know circle of friends have gotten to have access to what it was like growing up with having a parent who was an addict because um i i i come from a background and a culture where like you know my parents they never they never got drunk so i always got to see them being sober they were always present um in my life and so i never got to see that uh, reflecting in my adulthood so when i grew up i feel like part of my choices and everyone um knows that it's you know it's nurture it's not nature um, I didn't feel the need to do that, but uh, I feel like a lot of the people um, that kind of grew up with parents who were addicted to something, uh, they tend to either try to run away from that as much as possible and kind of like redefine their whole life like Lily did in this film, or they end up being on the same track because they just remember uh they, they, their memories are trained to make them remember, oh, a time when mom or dad was around, uh, was happy and they did this, so I can do it too. Um, 
it's kind of like the same thing with cheating. Like I, I think a lot of people who grew up seeing their parents openly cheat on each other tend to view monogamy as, you know, something that is like an outdated concept because they're like, well, my parents weren't monogamous. So why would I be monogamous? So uh, I think this film really um, played a, a I mean, it, it, for me, it was like, um, it was interesting to watch it because I have never um, been around. Uh, I, I don't think I've known, I've, I have definitely lived with someone who was an alcoholic but I've never uh, kind of had to take care of a family member who was going through an addiction or was someone who went through an addiction. So I don't know what it was like, like that feeling of withdrawal, Mm -hmm. dependency on the substance. Yeah. I I mean, for me, like mine was more uh, of like alcoholism with my grandfather and a little bit of my dad, but that was like, pretty quick like he kind of like did drinking after he had to retire from his injuries um but yeah like um it did affect um me like in terms of like understanding that yes like alcohol is a type of poison basically um and that you don't always have to um, drink in order to have fun. Like you could play games or you could like eat cake. <laughs> or, oh yeah. I, yeah. I definitely enjoy other things. Um, we, I, I just think it's interesting because I've, I've, um, I've really, I, I've really, as a person, I, I, I don't, I've never, I've never really judged someone when I see, like if I heard that they had an addiction, but I genuinely, don't know what it feels like because I don't wake up feeling like oh I, I I need to I need to like smoke weed or I need to get drunk because everything sucks like I, I just remember in times when I wanted to be happy that I was able to do that absolutely sober and I remember having people ask me that like they're like how do you do like it's like no you have to like loosen yourself up like how do you have fun when you're sober and I'm like that's such a sad existence to feel like you need to be almost out of your mind for people to enjoy your company. Yeah. Um, And I feel like the film really addressed that uh, where Sandra started to realize that it's like, there's a whole world out there of people that don't need that stuff. And like um, what it's like to kind of move back to the societal normal. Um, Although I, I feel like uh, it also addressed that there are a lot of addicts out there in the world who don't recognize it and they kind of get away with it because they never get caught. Kind of like Jasper. Like Jasper is definitely an alcoholic in the film, but he doesn't drive a car into a house. So I guess he's considered a fun one. <laughs> I would say um, based on um, his ability to drive while drunk, I've Feel that he might be like a high functioning alcoholic where he's yes. able to um, act normal, able to, um, you know, drive or do whatever he needs to do, like maybe work um, without like having the side effects of being lethargic or, you know, having slur speech or having difficulty um, seeing things. Um, so yeah, let's like talk about Eddie Boone and Jasper like um the hot one and the annoying one yeah (laughs) like I mean in my honest opinion I 
I really feel that Dominic West did a really good job as Jasper. Yeah. Um, Cause like I, in his, in some of the other um, roles that I've seen him in, like, I would say that this is like a first for me seeing him be like the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly being like someone who's kind of like enticing someone to do, uh, to make bad decisions and to, um, you know, be continue drinking or partying even though they shouldn't um what about you what do you think i definitely thought he he did an amazing job i mean all the actors uh did great in this film i do feel like any part of the film was uh that no one was like no one was suited for the role they were playing i feel like everyone was cast really well um I just definitely feel like, um, as again, as someone who enjoys, it's weird. I don't really watch a lot of romantic films, but I definitely enjoy Sandra's romantic comedies. And so uh, I definitely, immediately after we were introduced to Eddie, I was like, forget about Jasper. Like, I was like, Gwen, you need to be with Eddie. And uh, I think part of it is just that um, it's kind of like they're two different characters, like they're two different options, right? Like the guy who is an addict, but recognizes it, the guy who's an addict, but uh, he doesn't recognize it. it's a problem. And he wants her to kind of get go back to, you know, being in her old ways. There's really no option for the guy who's like a saint and ha- doesn't have any problems like in the movie. Um, all the male figures or characters are flawed. Like even, even Cornell like smokes. And so it just, it just, it basically just showcases us that we're all human. And even the people who end up running these facilities run them from uh, the fact that they've needed help at some point in their life and they, and they got it and then they decided to help others. And so I guess this is why I empathize more with Eddie's character because he really I don't think he ever has done anything wrong towards her except like get angry at Jasper and punching him but it was because Jasper with his foreign accent was all like oh you like come from a redneck family or something like that I don't really remember what he said but uh I guess back in the 2000s it was like uh, a hillbilly joke or something like that and so that guy you know uh, Eddie was all like I'm a baseball player. And even though I'm a gentle giant, I'm going to punch you because of this. And so it was just like a moment of two guys having a, a peeing race or a pissing contest or whatever. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. I really think that, that like Eddie, I really liked how like uh, Eddie wasn't like the obvious, like romantic interest for, um, for Gwen. I liked how, they didn't have them like you know live happily ever after after rehab type of thing um they kind of it seemed realistic that's like yeah like they don't they're not gonna automatically fall in love at the end of the film um and i also liked how he was like a man um outside of like the usual men that gwen has encountered like jasper that kind of was letting her know like hey like you know jasper like you don't need to have someone like jasper to have a happy life and like it was almost like kind of like a messenger for her in a way um 
kind of letting her know that you don't need to go back to your old ways that you can like have a successful life. Um, and you, it's not like you have to like continue your relationship with Jasper. Like you can just like end it if you don't feel that he is helping you. And I mean, it was absolutely toxic to her. Yeah. And I think that was like part of it too, is that um, absence of female uh, figures in her life. Meaning like, have I don't think in any part of the film we learn that she has female friends like we what we know is that she only got Jasper and he's her boyfriend and he's her friend and he is the enabler and he wants her to marry him because she meets his needs she's fun she gets drunk and she goes out and have fun with him and when so so when she gets into rehab she sees this other guy that she can also be friends with I mean there's that you know attraction between them but it's almost like because she has that uh, she has always kind of relied on having uh, a male romantic partner be the person that she relies on. It made her re- see like someone who's more of a gentle giant type of guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's why also it was really hard for her when her roommate died because that was her probably first real uh, connection with like, uh, another female character in a very long time um, and I think it's important that women have other women friends because being around men or having uh, just a friendship with the person that you're also romantically involved with is not as um, uh, fulfilling emotionally uh, to her needs which is why it was great that after her roommate passed away her and her sister Lily bonded again and it seems like they've repaired their relationship. Yeah, I agree. I think that Andrea was kind of um, Gwen's understanding of what it's like if you just like commit suicide or if you uh, continue going down the path of like alcoholism or drug addiction. Because maybe if she didn't, uh, maybe if she quit um, rehab or she went through rehab but then went back to um her addiction that maybe she could have been like Andrea that had an overdose and you know what if Lily when she hears about the death like it's almost like she might have been like upset that like uh Gwen could have like you know actually sober up and actually changed her life and I think that you know, seeing someone else um, overdose or die from their addiction and then seeing um, the family member of that person uh, dealing with like the emotions of losing someone that they actually loved for like addictions like alcohol or drugs uh, kind of like gave her like a heads up like um, to actually like you know, continue um, sobering up and also like reconnecting with Lily. Um, And I think like even having like Andrea as her uh, female friend um, kind of showed her that she does need like Lily in her life um, as like another female um, person to rely on or at least like talk to. So it's not just like Jasper or it's not just Eddie. 
um, or Cornell. Do you want to talk about any other characters or? No, I think those were my uh, main, like the characters that I really focused on. I felt like there, even though the other characters they didn't they didn't really exist in the world of the movie just to serve our main character. I mean, they were just kind of like people in the facility and we got to see their little journey and they and how they grew or how they kind of relapsed. And um, I think it was interesting to just have, uh, you know, uh, Eddie and uh, Andrea be, uh, uh, you know, uh, the two people that kind of like got to her at the facility or like she connected with the most one representing love and the other one representing a female connection. And so um, I just thought it was, I mean, those were the characters that I really was focused on. Cool, yeah, yeah, I agree. I I actually like this film, watching it again, um, especially like a little bit older, um, like I kind of understand about um, how this film in my opinion, I feel like that this is a good um, job uh, kind of showcasing what addiction is and also like showcasing like how rehab is. Um, Cause I mean, I'm assuming that this is a pretty like expensive rehab. Like, I don't think this is like a, um, a rehab that's funded by like a, a local gov- government or um, maybe like state government. Um, yeah, yeah, a baseball player was there, so uh, I just feel like it's probably one of those more uh, facilities where, like, the family pays a lot of money for it, and I think she probably was a good journalist, like, she made good money, and that's why she was able to um, afford this facility, um, so that's, you know, they don't really say much about how she took care of the damage she caused from like the initial accident that led her to this yeah seems like that kind of got resolved on its own yeah um yeah like i i would recommend watching this film um i think this is a really good early sandra bullock movie it also connects to you know like female directors like this was a directed by a female it was also written by a female so it was pretty good um yeah any last thoughts uh no I feel like I I also enjoyed the film and I thought that it was a good depiction of um you know how some people who are who have addictions they that that it's like that kind of perspective on life of like life is pain life is meaningless and so being high or getting drunk is the only way to get through it versus uh kind of like reaching this understanding that no life is beautiful and to to oh like the whole point of the horse scene I think is like you're not always in control of your life but things can be beautiful when you let go of this idea of control and believe that you can be happy and you don't need to depend on substances to get you through anything and that you should live your life sober because when you're faced with the reality of death instead of saying oh I just I don't want to remember any of it you actually want to remember all of it Um, and so I think that that's like the kind of like the main theme of this film yeah I totally agree uh yeah i think that's it for us um 
thank you guys for listening to the podcast um if you want to follow us on instagram uh it's j and m podcasts um you could also email us at j and podcast at gmail.com uh i recently over actually over the past like few months i directed um a few episodes for this web series called flirtural reality uh it's on youtube um they also have an instagram account the youtube is flirtural reality series it's f-l-i-r-t-u-a-l reality series and the instagram is flirtural underscore reality yeah so thank you again have a great weekend stay safe and yeah bye